Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Jawad here as always, and thank you for joining me for the first of two end of season episodes, specials, whatever you want to call them. Um, this first one focusing more on the Supercars Championship. Uh, just got back from Adelaide and the season finale at the Adelaide 500 earlier in the week. So going to wrap that one up for you. A lot to talk about from there being Holden's final race in Australia as well. And j- just in general, we won't see the Holden name um, in the Premier Touring Car category uh, and also, you know, many other things as well, you know, first win for Brock Feeney in the championship, what does the future look like moving to Gen 3, and then just, you know, kind of a summary of the year in general for the championship, it's been a dominant one for Shane Van Gisbergen um, and the Red Bull, Red Bull Ampol Racing Team, and then of course, um, later, uh, at a later date, I'll go do my F1 season review as well, where, you know, as you know, from the past, I don't really run off a script or anything like that. It's just more an informal chat of um, how the season has gone and, you know, what what's my thoughts on it too. So it's, it's really nice. And of course, um, you know, just able to look back on it now without all the emotion that is attached to when you're kind of watching it during the year because it has been a bit of a tricky year uh in general and you know in f1 as well uh, a lot going on and not necessarily the same as what happened last year with the um controversial season finale so without further ado um the Supercars Championship. So, first of all, thank you, Adelaide. Thank you to the Labor government as well, Peter Malinowskis. One of his bold promises in the state election this year in South Australia was to resurrect the Adelaide 500. Um, I don't know what he's, what else he's promised as well. Hopefully, there's other things beyond just a motor race um, to be elected over. But, yes, you know, four exhilarating days. It's seen some of the best racing this year as well, I've got to say. And... I'm not, it's not just because I'm biased because I was there and got to see it firsthand, but really, you know, this is the first time all year I've seen anyone actually give some biff and barge to Van Gisbergen, so, you know, good on, good on Chas Mostert for doing that in the um, Saturday race, and he avoided a penalty as well, but an estimated crowd of 258,200 people across the four days, it just shows you know what an event this is how special it is how special it is for you know fans of motorsport and just events in south australia in general so you know the fact that it was canned in the first place um seemed pretty silly and yes you know not even the blistering heat and my sunburnt skin at the time um could stop me from enjoying this event. I had a great view as well. I was sitting in the hairpin grandstand at the final corner, so you get that really good view from from turn the the run into turn thirteen. Of course, getting on the brakes into the final corner, which we saw some mistakes at, and then coming out onto the pit straight and blasting down towards the um, opening sequence of corners. The famous center chicane, of course, from the days F one used to be there. Um, you know, before we go on track, you know, talking about some of the off-track stuff as well, um, great names in the music industry as well, uh, not that I got to see all of them, I stick, I stuck around for The Killers on Sunday night, which was really enjoyable, but yeah, if you're fans of like Jimmy Barnes, Ice House, 
Noise Works, there was Amy Shark, Lime Cordial, who was big in the indie, on the indie music scene, Baker Boy as well. So some real big names, you know, and they've already announced for next year, um, even though it's, you know, 12 months away, Robbie Williams will be headlining the um, post-race concert on the Sunday night. So if you're fans of entertainment and Robbie, you've got to be there, I guess. So yeah, you know, it it was a really well put together event. Um I loved I loved the fans. Not, you know, like spectator fans, but those those giant fans with like water spraying from them as well. It was just what you needed because yeah, it was it was quite hot. I did feel like I was gonna pass out at one point because of heat exhaustion. I'm like, no, must make a reel for Instagram. Must oh okay, I need to go get water. <laughs> and silly of me not, you know, taking sunscreen on the first day. I thought, you know, my skin was more tolerant, but you know, perhaps um, the more I have lived in Melbourne through winters and having my skin covered, the more kind of fair it's gotten. So yeah, I came back with a very, very, you know, dark tone on my skin at the end of it. Um, but yeah, overall really good, great showcasing of South Australian, um, food and, and drink and all that sort of stuff as well, which is, is really important. So, you know, they just did such a great job with the event. So hats off to them for that. Um, into the racing now, I guess there was a lot of emotion given that it was the final uh, race of the season. The championship hadn't, has already been decided um, and the team's championship as well. There was second up for grabs between Chas Mostert and, and Cameron Waters, which Waters ended up taking in the end, um, even though I thought it was Mostert. But anyway, uh, the points don't lie. And also it was the final race for Holden as well in the championship. So... After decades of the Holden versus Ford rivalry, and of course in 2020 it was announced that the Holden nameplate would be um, scrapped from these shores, you know, not only in just production, well, they haven't really produced anything anyway in recent times, but, you know, from motorsport as well, it will disappear. They will still have those Commodore ZBs racing around in Super 2 next year, and, you know, whatever, will pass on to Super 3, but um, as far as the Premier Supercars category is concerned, we're looking forward to Gen 3 now, which will have the um, Ford, the next Gen Ford Mustang, which looks stunning, by the way. It was great to see those Gen 3 laps as well there, and the new um, iteration of the Mustang just looks very mean. I love it more than the Camaro, so, you know, come out early and say I'm on the Ford side, you know, not that... Um, I really drew allegiances in the past. It was more so, you know, which team was I backing and Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, of course, switching over, being a long-time um, Holden and GM team to, to going over to the Ford side next year. So it was poignant, too, that um, they did a Holden tribute cruise on Saturday morning. So fans were able to register their interest um, to partake, where they get drive you know, their Holden car from the old manufacturing plant in Elizabeth in in north of Adelaide to the Parkland circuit. They were joined by, of course, seven-time Bathurst champion Craig Lowndes in doing that. So, you know, that was great. Um, Whoever got to take part in that, unfortunately, I didn't see it. I didn't want to get up too early for that. But then, of course, we go into the racing and, um, wow, you know, 
emphatic 1-2 finish for the Walkinshaw Andretti United team, which has never happened at Adelaide before. They've been so successful in the past when you look at when they were the Holden racing team. And this was one of the stats, I think, that was up for grabs. Bragging rights for Holden were up for grabs um, by Sunday is that um, 188 wins for Red Bull and Paul Racing since they took over the HRT Monica, and then 187 is what um, Walkinshaw achieved by Saturday afternoon. So, you know, could they end Holden's time in uh, Australian touring cars with equal on wins, or was the Triple Eight and Red Bull going to get one up on their um, old? Uh, on the old HRT, so that was interesting the way it turned out, and of course, you know, with Brock Feeney's um, maiden win in supercars, it ended up being 189 wins to 187 uh, on the Walkinshaw side, but 1-2 finish for uh, Walkinshaw on the Saturday, um, a, you know, obviously I'm a big uh, Chaz Mostert fan, but then also for Nick Perkat, who's a proud South Australian, one of the um, few drivers who really advocated for this event to come back. You know, he, there was Scott Pye, Todd Hazelwood as well, Tim Slade, they were all rallying, you know, when they did the public demonstrations um, and, and protests, if you'd like, to bring back the Adelaide 500. So for Perkat, it's a special result as well. Um, to be up there on the podium. Um, and yeah, fifth win of the year for Mostert too. So he started seventh in that one, kept his nose clean through the race. Unfortunately for Van Gisberg and then Cam Waters, who was on pole for this one via the top 10 shootout, um, there was quite a bit of trouble. I mean, it was probably one of the worst races SVG's had all season. He ended up in the barriers twice at turn 11 and then ended up limping home in... 20th at the end of the day uh, there was a point where in the pit stops they had to get the electric saw out to shave off some of the bodywork under one of his um, wheel guards or whatever so and then like I said earlier he was punted off at turn six by Mostert on one of the safety car restarts too so really getting bullied around was Van Gisbergen getting a serve of his own medicine I think um, after the hell he's put everyone through this season um, his rivals that is but um, you know it was all laughed off at the end of the day because it didn't really matter for him and then yeah of course um, the double stack as well oh no the double stack happened in uh, race 34 which we'll talk about later um waters having a healthy battle for the podium with uh or for the win at that point with pie of course and then pie ended up going wired at turn 13 getting a run on the monster energy mustang and this is where um i was caught off guard a little bit i was like oh is something gonna happen i've got my camera ready and then you know i didn't quite get a clear picture of it but i did get enough to show that um, Pi ended up with a wheel in the dirt and kicked up a bunch of dirt in the air while chasing Moss, uh, not Mostert, Waters, but didn't end up getting any kind of move done. Um, and of course, then, yeah, one of them ended up in the turn 11 barrier. Um, Waters ended up getting a penalty too uh, for a causing a spin for Todd Hazelwood at turn five and this was all because of um, him trying to get a move on Macaulay Jones at turn four so 
Hazelwood ended up in a spin and collected Will Brown, so that gave him a drive-through penalty, did Waters, and then, yeah, all because of this, it saw Mostert up to uh, the front of the field and having a chance to take extra fuel in his second stop meant that he didn't really have to worry about that um, later on as other people did, and for Perkat as well, starting down in 20th, was able to come up and finish in second, but that was, wasn't was without pressure from James Courtney too, so the highest place Tickford car in the end of uh, race 33, of course, and um, Courtney himself, a former Adelaide 500, 500 winner with HRT back in the day too, so, you know, they couldn't really do the, um, the formation finish because Courtney was right behind them at the end of the day. But yeah, you know, it made for a really nice photo um, when they did come around on the cool-down lap, both um, Mostert and Perk out together. So yeah, good result for those guys. Um, maybe a bit of confidence as well going into next year for Perkat. It's not been the most easiest season for him, of course. You know, the expectation was that He'll come to a team like Walkinshaw and Dreddy United and um, he'll be at the front of the field, you know, given that I regard him, many regard him as an alpha driver and having him and Mostert together would be um, like having a Di Pasquale and Davison or uh, Feeney and Van Gisbergen or a Van Gisbergen Win Cup last year, but um, unfortunately it's been more of a challenge for Perkat, so hopefully... It will set him up for next year, of course. Driving a Ford for the first time, too. He's been a Holden driver from his uh, uh, from the start of his career, of course. He won the Bathurst 1000 with Garth Tander, who as well has uh, defi- decided to defect next year, not deciding not to take up um, and renew his co-driving agreement with the Red Bull team and he's won two more Bathursts with Shane Van Giesbergen so he's going over to Grove uh, Grove Racing next year the Penrite team so that will be an interesting one to see next year when we do have two Enduros thankfully you got the Sandown 500 um, preceding the Bathurst 1000 um, so you know I think that experience from Tanda will be quite interesting so yeah that's going to make the co-driver market rather interesting because there is a primo seat at Triple Eight up for grabs now uh, heading into Sunday for race 34 of course this is the final one at the end and quite fitting isn't it that a driver with Brock in his name wins the final race for Holden so you know of course the legend Peter Brock of course being synonymous with the Holden brand but um, 20 year old Feeney you know who took over the 88 car from uh, Jamie Wincup the seven time champion and of course Wincup moving over to the team owner role and team boss role this year and not much is really like, you know, I feel like I haven't said enough about Feeney as I should have this season, you know, because he's just been quietly um, chipping away and achieving, you know, solid results. You know, he hasn't really, you know, done anything super flash. Like he's had two podiums before this win in Adelaide. He was on the podium early in the season there in, in Simmons Plains in Tassie. And then, of course, during the Sandown Super Sprint weekend as well, he ended up third in that final race. But apart from 
the crash that he was caught up in at Surfers last time out, um, the second race of the Gold Coast 500, you know, he hasn't finished below like 11th, actually no, 14th is his worst result, so he's been consistently in the top 15, and finishing 6th in the standings overall is an achievement for someone, you know, so young, stepping into the big shoes of of Win Cup, and you know, when you have a teammate like Van Gisbergen, who's done so well this season as well you know the benchmark is always going to be how good are you versus your teammate but I think for Feeney it's been irrelevant this season and when you look at them as a combination they've well and truly outclassed um, you know their closest rival in the team's championship and that's Dick Johnson racing so they did really well there but Feeney in that race wow like to hold off Mostert as well for not just, you know, a small amount of time, but for quite a few laps towards the end of the race was amazing. Like, there were so many times where I'm like, oh, Chaz, got to, Chaz has got his lights on, he's going to send it down the inside at 14, but, or, you know, coming out of turn 8 or into turn 9, he's going to make the move. It, it didn't, it just didn't happen, and Feeney just seemed unflappable. So this is the kind of, you know, thing you want to see from a young guy in... A, a big team like that where they don't succumb to pressure at the top of the field so you know whether we get to see him in more of a closer fight at the front next year possibly for wins you know do Red Bull have to employ some team orders and whatnot um, I'd like to see him up against you know driving up against his teammate because Van Gisbergen is, you know, known for being the intimidator in this in this category, and with good reason too. It's not like you know he shouldn't be allowed to intimidate because we're here to race. You know, we're not here to just um, jump aside like some people do in the end. So good on him for holding off um, Mostert to take the win. Less than a second separated them. Feeney did qualify well. He started from the second row and was quite early into pit on lap 11 and then you know that allowed him to benefit when there was a lap 22 safety car which was due to Jake Stecky finding the wall at turn 8 um, the infamous turn 8 of course so that allowed Davison who had also pitted early and Feeney to vault to the front of the field um, and you know for the two-time Bathurst winner in Davison to kind of be brushed aside um, after the restart at turn nine by a rookie, you know, just kind of said, yeah, you know, this, this kid knows what he's doing and, you know, he can, doesn't really succumb to any pressure, even if it is a two-time Bathurst winner. Um, you know, then there was another crash this time for Bryce Fullwood at turn eight, triggering another safety car and, this brought Feeney in for his final stop, but unfortunately this is where that double stack ended up happening for SVG and that hurt him. Um, and then of course he was found to have breached the safety car restart procedure having overlapped Lee Holdsworth before the apex of the final corner. So that, this was a bit controversial and he ended up with a drive-through penalty, though at the end it didn't really stop him from that epic burnout that he did on the main straight after the race um but yeah you know with with Mostert up from fifth in qualifying to being in contention for back-to-back -back wins this weekend I really was conflicted I was like oh you know I really want Mostert to win you know but then Feeney to take his first win is going to be special in what is Holden's last race for 
you know, Red Bull being the homologation Holden team. So, you know, much like his predecessor, Win Cup as well, Feeney taking his first win in supercars on the streets of Adelaide like Jamie did back in 2006, of course. But that's when they were piloting the Ford Falcons. Um, rounding out the podium in that race was... Anton Di Pasquale, he did struggle despite starting on pole, um, but ended up third, so some kind of consolation for him, but Davison, you know, just, it was a comedy of errors, really, for DGR and Davison in the wall at turn 11, and yeah, they just didn't really have anything to celebrate at the end of the day, um, but yeah, Feeney, a winner, I would not have predicted that this year, given his progress and everything I would have said easily next year might have been um might have been a better uh chance for him to do that but at the end of the day you know they're in the best car on the grid um they've got the best team as well so how can how couldn't any driver you know flourish in that environment of course they've got to have some talent as well of course so and Feeney is uh beyond talented as we know so yeah, that was that was Adelaide. The SVG burnout was quite epic, as you saw. He ended up um, taking off one of his shoes or his race boots and sticking it under the throttle. Just you know, kept the tires shredding while he stood on top of the roof and celebrated. So that was quite interesting. And you wouldn't expect any less from Shane because of the season he's had. Twenty-one wins. Setting that record as well, like Verstappen did in F1 this year. 21 wins um, out of 34 races. It is incredible. And, you know, pole positions that went the way of Waters with 10 for the season. And he was able to chalk that up with um, Adelaide uh, on Saturday to get it. And then I think, yeah, Mostert behind with, um, I thought it was five wins, but four wins for Mostert um, this year. The closest in terms of... No, it is, it is five wins, so someone's obviously mucked up uh, somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, that is such a dominant year that he's had. Like, what do you do moving forward? I think the onus is on, on everyone else to try and step it up next year, and I've said this time and time again. Uh, when you look at Mostert, who finished third in the championship behind uh, Cam Waters, I think, you know... You know the peaks were there, but then so were the so were the troughs as well. Sadly, so like you look at um, Tassie, unfortunately, Perth. Um, you know they were really kind of dismal rounds to be finishing down in twenty third and twenty second, while Van Gisbergen has just had you know. It's, he's either won races or finished on the podium or has had a bad day, but there's more of the the former than there is um, of the latter. And then same for uh, Waters, who's been consistent with finishing on the podium and everything and consistent with being quick. But you also then have those races where you're down in 18th and down in 21st and they just don't have the pace. And then there's the races where... They're in contention to win, but then when it comes to defending, they just kind of jump out of the way, and um, that's it. So we have to see less of that, hopefully, next year, and more kind of aggression like we saw from Mostert in the final, um, or in 
in race 33 against Van Gisbergen. You know, don't be afraid to get the elbows out, you know, because Van Gisbergen's going to show no quarter, so why should you? And, it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it, like, in a way where I know everything, yada, yada, yada. It's just from a spectator's point of view, it it is disappointing when one person does run away with it. But, you know, he's a generational talent, you know. He is like a Scott McLaughlin kind of thing. So... Um, who's going to step it up to uh, take it to them next time? We'll just have to wait and see. It's also like fitting as well to say a little bit about Gen 2, given that, you know, this was the last race for Gen 2 as well when with the Camaro and the new Mustang coming in next year. Um, Gen 2 just kind of was a bit of a damp squib, really, when you look at the way it was introduced as well. It, it was introduced back in 2017, um, and it was meant to attract new manufacturers with the addition of the two-door, the coupe body type, and then, of course, at one point it was like, you know, if you want to have a turbo turbocharged four-cylinder or six-cylinder engine, you, you could you could do that, and yeah, remember Holden were actually developing a V6 turbo in their um, Sandman concept for, for supercars, but, you know, there was no change in the field when that uh, regulation package came in to play in 2018, we saw the switch to the ZB Commodore, which had the more kind of hatchback style, um, when I mean hatchback, you know, it's not a conventional boot, it kind of lifts the rear window you know what I'm talking about, um, if you know your cars or whatever, so, you know, that was interesting, even though Scott McLaughlin in the old Falcon FGX won the championship that year, and then 2019, it was things, things really heated up when Ford brought the Mustang over, and of course, Mustang being a two-door coupe, trying to fit it to the Gen 2 chassis didn't quite work, so it looked a bit, um, Looked a bit interesting, that one, of course. It was stretched over, so, like, it had a higher roof and everything. But that wasn't really the controversial part, because that was when, you know, the whole parody debate kicked off after Scotty McLaughlin blitzed the field in Adelaide. So, you know, it just kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, you know, unless you're a, um, a one-eyed Holden supporter like Mark Scaife. Um it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth that, you know, we had to get all these parity adjustments done to, you know, get get it all worked out. I mean, even though the Mustang was quick, it was predominantly McLaughlin who was winning. And, you know, that was evident later on when, you know, even in 2019, 2020, after those parity adjustments, McLaughlin was still the best driver and winning the most races and everything. So, you know, is that going to be the same in, in 23 when, you know, perhaps the Mustang rolls out and is the quickest and then you have to dial back the aero changes and the parity and everything, you know, given the fact that we're racing with two different engines and two different, you know, outputs on the engine as well. Like horsepower wise, they're meant to be similar, but like the displacements are different between them um yeah like 
I don't know. It's hard to say. It's with all the discontent this year towards Gen Three, and you know the whole paddle shift versus stick shift debate, and how they eventually stuck with um, the the sequ- the sequential shift. Um, you know, parts has been an issue to source. You know, and the entire cost has kind of been blown out of proportion as well. And Gen Three was supposed to be a more cost-effective formula less dependent on aero and, you know, more raceable in terms of um, wheel-to-wheel racing and not having the aero wash problems that they did have with the Gen 2 cars. Uh, It's like, well, we'll kind of have to wait and see now how it all pans out. Um, At the moment, it's hard to be optimistic, but, you know, I'm sure when we get to Newcastle next year or even after Newcastle when we've got um, tracks that are more like racetracks the conventional racetracks we might see uh some some good racing but yeah you know the gen 3 formula will suit drivers like van gisbergen pretty well so it's going to take a lot of beating um from his rivals to have him be stopped in 2023 as well i uh, early days you know i'm gonna put my um money on Shane to win next year's championship because yeah unless something goes horribly wrong or if someone steps it up I don't see much changing in terms of the pecking order as well so it'll be interesting to see you know who's got the pressure on them and who doesn't as well um notable shout outs as well I guess you know you can um say a great effort for the likes of Feeney but then the Penwright Racing Team, Grove Racing, they've done really well this year. David Reynolds in eighth, of course, with some podiums to his name. Uh, and Lee Holdsworth also getting on the podium, who is, or who has retired at the end of this uh, season as well. So it was great to see him come back for one more year and have a decent year with, with Grove Racing. And they're a team that look like they're going to be serious you know hopefully team 18 as well you know given how strong scott pye was at the end of the year in adelaide can come out and get some podiums next year same with mark winterbottom as well who had a very consistent year no no dnfs against his name this year so that's why he's up in ninth in the championship um andre heimgartner did well for brad jones racing this year with some podiums to his name so you know not looking too bad for for the team from albury and but yeah really i think for me tickford and and djr are the teams that need to step it up you know they seem like they disappointed as a whole even though we did see waters up there second in the championship but um you know, for the rest of them, Thomas Randall, of course, rookie season, didn't do such a bad job, and he had that pole position in Adelaide as well, to his name, on front row start, whatever, um, but yeah, Jake Stecky, not very, not very um, impressive at all, so yeah, and James Courtney did a pretty solid job, I thought, but um, yeah, better could be done, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it, I can't say much more, um on it James Golding great job for him of course you know coming in mid-year to race with Premier Racing so you know hopefully going into a full season next year he will do well um and yeah like bring on 2023 Newcastle we're starting off with and then you know got the return of the Sandown 500 before Bathurst uh some Events, unfortunately, not going to be on the calendar, such as Winton and um, 
New Zealand won't be there either, so that will be a bit sad given um, how well Van Gisbergen's doing at the moment, but um, we'll see if they can figure that out for 2024. But ultimately, yeah, it'll be how does Gen 3 roll out? Will it be a success? Will it not be? I think a lot kind of depends on that, you know, for the future of the category. You know, it's a category that I really love, but it's also something that can frustrate the living daylights out of you as well. So, yeah. Thank you very much for tuning in as well. Thank you for listening to me ramble on about uh, this championship for this year. Remember, I've got a F1 season review as well planned, hopefully coming soon before Christmas. So stay tuned for that. It could be as early as the week that this is released or maybe even the week before Christmas. So we'll see how that goes. Other than that, you know, just follow on the social medias there's the twitter account at at Media. um there is also a link tree to all the um other platforms i'm on with my articles for the raw and of course instagram where you can look at some of the pictures i took over the adelaide 500 weekend until then thanks for joining me and i'll see you guys soon